eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the tape edition of Seattle Overload, where we're going to delve into the All-22 from the Detroit Lions victory. Yes, the Seahawks did win. Still very excited about that. They won 48-45, which kind of gives you a little teaser to how this tape podcast is going to go because, let's be honest, offense, wow, 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 defense, ah, we're going to have to do a really good job coping, Griff. But yeah, offense, Griffin, fantastic stuff, and the, this is some of the best tape I think I've seen from, from Seattle, right? Like, it's yeah. almost flawless. I mean, it was awesome, awesome stat line they they can't do anything wrong right now i mean they're getting it done you know in pure dropback situations third downs um they're 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 getting their under center play action going in the pocket out on the move on the boot you know they're getting explosive down the sideline they're getting those those chunk intermediate gains you know quick game which they use not as much these days but when they do do it, like they're getting the ball out, getting those four to seven yarders, it's just um, everything is working. The only thing that this offense is missing right now is they can't get any yards after the catch. Um, I think you can see where the structure provides some opportunities there. Um, like, but then like the like locket goes down, you know. Um, but then yeah, like, what... he's, he's declaring himself down because he's trying to preserve himself. I don't blame. Yeah, him. that's what I was going to say. Lockett, Lockett's like been the main dude with those opportunities and you know for whatever reason you'd imagine self-preservation for a long season he's mm-hmm. he's just been going down giving himself up in the moments yeah. where I feel like the yak would be a thing right then like DK in trying to get yak hasn't been able to ran himself out of the first down in this game um yeah and then there's also that trying too hard thing where it leads to a fumble. Like you got to be careful with that. Sure. Uh, but it's not like that the roots Man. aren't getting guys wide open, is it? Like no, no. It's like just, like it's just funky at the moment, I'd say. It's, Small it's sample funky. size. And then def- agreed. Small sample size, and like they do need to, they do need to kind of drill their setting up screens a little bit because so much of that is the blocking, right? It's not even the receiver half the time or the running back. Um, but then the other side of this. Not to get too sidetracked on the um, on the yak conversation, but the other side of it is that they're they're spending a lot of time in 12, 13 personnel. So like Eskridge and Goodwin aren't out there, and you know they catch the ball in stride. You know it doesn't even need to be deep downfield. Like they're probably going to get the most yak of anyone on the roster. Um, it just hasn't quite happened yet. Um, so it's kind of a personnel thing too, and who you're putting out there. But it's not hindering them. And but actually, so we should define again, not to get not to dwell too much on this. Um, on on Twitter, a great follow. He's a data analyst, among other things. Um, Lucky Profit. Um, on Twitter, he he messaged me and said that Seattle right now for I might have this wrong, but the Seahawks offense dating back I think to 2006 are literally 
I think the single worst team in generating yards after the catch over expectation. So like they're like first percentile and think about how ludicrously efficient they are right now in spite of that. So if, if even if they're going to be a below average yards after the catch team, imagine if they just kind of regress to whatever their mean is positively, you know, even if that's well below average, imagine how much more efficient they would have been over this time frame. Well, and I think um, also crazy. with with that point of what we've said about, you know, there that I think Yak might come, you know, down the line and with yeah. kind of what you've said as well, that's part of what we mean when we say that there's meat on the bone. Like right. if the offense regresses in some areas, we feel confident enough in, that there's, you know, other areas that they haven't yet been able to tap into that they will. Right. I agree. Yeah, there, there are two two main things, like broadly speaking, and not getting into the nitty gritty of, of what what projects forward. Like, I think what's going to regress from the biggest, broadest view you can think of is the completion percentage will come down. It could still be top of the league or top five, right? But it will come down. But then the shot play percentage will increase and the yak will also increase. So the net efficiency might still be stable, might stabilize. It's just defenses will defend them differently and as we're going to talk about in this section of the podcast Gino always has an answer so if you take away other things he's going to find something else with the way he's playing right now if 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 his process remains stable then Which it should like it has from 2021 through this preseason, pre-season to yeah. now like he's a coach on the field there's not I think if anything he's become uh more poised from like week one, there was a lot of emotions going on, and yeah. like that was crazy for a lot of reasons, right? Uh, right? I think he looked at times there a bit like, I mean, I think I tweeted out, you know, have some deep breaths, like just let's just get poised again. But since that moment, I think you're only going to get more and more poised as, as you sort of grow into this role. And I haven't really seen any signs of him being flustered. He's been cal- like calm in a pocket. You know, sometimes him trying to throw the ball away looks a bit awkward, but there isn't panic. And, you know, Gino's on third down, right? Like nine of 12 in this game. And the Seahawks third and seven plus conversion rate, uh, Hawk Blogger tweeted it out. 2019, 23.8%, which is 25th. 2020, 29.2%, which is 12th. 2021, 23.4%, which is 24th. Then 2022, 47.6% which is first in the league. It's wild. And yeah. that, again, that's a one statistic, and you don't really want to be in a third and seven plus, right? But kind of just emphasizes what a job Gino is doing in terms of quarterbacking, yeah. quarterbacking the offense and how his process means, as you said, Griff, yeah. he has answers for a lot of things right now. And and like those those first and twenties, those second and twenties, he's getting them back into manageable situations, right? And like to, to your point, second and twenty with how good he is on third down, second and twenty, like just get into third and normal regular long, right? Like third and eight, and like you still have a chance. Like he's also, and and this is where things reinforce each other. Like Waldron has been really good on third downs, I think, the last two weeks, and Gino's executing the crap out of it. And so is the rest of the team um, for the most part, right? So the protection and everything. So this game, Gino, 23 for 30, 320 yards. Most efficient game of the entire season, by the way. Not just Seattle, the entire league. The Broncos had a kick blocked. That's funny. Yikes. Came after a sack in in, uh, in the end zone or red zone i think yeah fourth and goal baby <laughs> yikes um so he, he he had a crazy game there were a lot of developments this game um like the control the poise the accuracy like all that subjective stuff of looking the part gino is even like in that 49ers game he's he's, he's checking all those subjective boxes but um maddie what in this game the actual design of the offense and everything well, what were some things that stood out to you well, the real thing for me was, as you've put in your notes as well, watching it back, especially after Pete's comments about not putting the tackles, the rookie tackles under too much duress, and you can speak to this too, but there wasn't as many pure dropbacks 
as I may have thought. I mean, it was, it's quite hard to keep track of the offense when it's so productive and they're just slicing and dicing constantly and they put up 48 points, right? Should have been right. 51. Um, but the thing for me was the variation in protections coming at the right time. And mm. the way they did that wasn't through like, I mean, pass pro, right? You, you half slide, um, okay, but and that's kind of how you do it, right? You can leave uh, five in, you can leave six in. But if you're leaving six in, then you're losing the running back out of the backfield and all that stuff um, in the pattern. And there's reasons not to do that. So, like, generically, like, offenses, they half slide. Now, if, if you, you can go big on big man protection if you get five down. But what Seattle did to vary that up a bit was using play action as a way of accessing quick game when they hit, like, a DK Metcalf slant and they had stick on the... Mm-hmm. From on the trip side, they had just ran a stick concept. So like, and it was play action. It wasn't an RPO. It was just a little play action quick game. Which again, because it's play action, the the pass pro is slightly different. And then the other thing was they pulled a guard like a trap play action from the shotgun, mm-hmm. and it enabled them to have Lucas rather than having him on an island or blocking out on an edge. Lucas is able to block down, and it's basically like full slide protection. But rather than the back being the guy, a, you know, clearing out the edge away from the slide, sure. it's, uh, it's the pulling guard, uh, Damian Lewis. And that wrinkles nicely with their, their trap run that they ended up running with Penny hitting for big yardage. But I just like that as an additional way of, like, there was no need to run the gunplay action. Like, it didn't suck the linebackers up because it's gunplay action. Right. The reason The reason they... It was nice for me was because of how they led, um, you know, their pass protection scheme. And the other thing with that was they also did a variety of things off it. So the the first time they did this, they had a a post, like a crossing route from one side of the field and a, and a go route from that side of the field. And Gino's opening to that side. Uh, they've taken that away. And so he... He just checks it down to Disley in the flat against middle field open. I think it was the cover four side and they get some yardage. Then the second time, I didn't actually notice it was play action at first, but it's simply like a cover two beaters to that side. Gino, um, in that situation, some quarterbacks, they would try and throw the deeper corner route. But at the bottom of Gino's drop, when his back foot hit, the corner route was, wasn't like really there because the corner's the corner back on that side, he's got his butt to the sideline. His body language is to sink under that. If Gino waits to throw the corner route, the corner's underneath it, then the timing of the play is wrong. Instead, he honors the timing of the play, throws it down to lock it in the flat. They pick up 10 yards on that play. And that's the difference between being in like a third and a mile. And, or it might have been, I think that was a first and 20 and it got them into second and 10. Yeah. But this is the, the this whole deal of like Gino's process being accurate and 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 consistent and just taking what's there but also understanding what's there within each defensive structure that's why yeah. they've got this third and seven statistic that's right. why they're so difficult to defend right now because and will and should be like it's why we think it's sustainable um but yeah right. I, I've, I've said a lot of things there so you know your no, turn no no i mean i i'll just quickly add on there like the the other second and 20 where he i i, I think i tweeted it or i did tweet it today um where he ends up hitting Lockett for like 17 yards, setting up the third and four where he hits DK on the RPO slant, threw it behind him a little bit, but it was a bang, bang deal. And he completed it. Good catch from DK. But like that play was um, seven step drop second and 20. So like they're giving it to him. Like we're, we're like, we're going to run, we're going to run a post and a deep curl basically. Um, and I, and I think so Gino drops back and then he steps up. And I think he actually thought he was going to give Goodwin a chance. Um, and I really wish that Lucas, and this is part of what I'm talking about here, Abraham Lucas gets pressure, which prevents him from from stepping into whatever throw he was going to make. Um, I thought maybe he'd try the post. It would have been cool because it would, would have been targetable. It would have been tight, but it was targetable. At least the safety wasn't involved. The receiver, the the cornerback or the defender carrying him, would have it would have been a one-on-one situation that way. Um but anyway, so he's hitching up, but then there's nothing to hitch up to because Lucas has been bull rushed and then and then gives up the inside. And then Gino just calmly steps back, resets his feet, and quickly just fires it to lock it and lock it, scoops it up. And they set up a third and four. And it's just like 
it, it's him it's him going through structure but then giving structure life when the structure isn't perfect and it's just indicative of like he's just in control like the, that je ne sais quoi you can't put your finger on it you know he's just gaming like even when he scrambles which are which is very rare when he scrambles he's so in control and he's not doing a lot of freestyling which there's a lot of guys can make that work i'm not saying that style is bad at all but he's just so controlled when he does it. like he's very intentional about everything yeah his, like his um his risks are calculated like that third and seven scramble he had where right. he he picked up uh, a bunch more as well like right he's like, looking yeah. he's looking for the sideline shot right and it's they're playing two man and the sideline shot, you know, is kind of there because the two man is more like um, cover seven, uh, where the safeties are kind of on the quarters. They're playing tight. They're not playing deep half over the top of the one. They're playing kind of over the top of the two, which made sense because I think Lockett and Metcalf are in the slot. But he wants Goodwin on the on the go ball, and rather than like trying to thread it in there, the cornerback's positioning is not there. The rest of the concept is blanketed. So Gino just controlled, as, as you were saying, Griff steps up, moves out the pocket scrambles for first down because all the defenders eyes aren't on him because they're playing a man yeah. deal it's like all his risks seem like perfectly judged that is there ain't a i don't have an issue with any of the, the decisions he makes he, yeah like that that you know that risk he took like you're saying he knew the coverage it was too man like he's taking that the risks flow from him processing all the variables on the field like he knows he they're they're too man so that the extra defender is is in the shell coverage and everyone else is playing man coverage eyes are turned that means i'm my own check down if nothing materializes precisely how i want it to be and he goes off and gets all that yard so uh just really good stuff from him but so like all right one of the one of the big things that stood out this game and we have to talk about it is that they hit they hit in the flat like five times oh, off a of big Big yardage as well. Play action for big yardage. And they did a variety of ways. They did it with, you know, the play action slide route where that route comes from the other side, um, you know, uh, with the quarterback the same direction on the boot, like behind the line of scrimmage, right? And they hit it. And then they had a couple of it where, like, the near receiver to the side of the boot runs, like, you know, runs up the field and then just kind of um, runs to the flat, like breaks at five yards. What was cool about this was that, they were running a lot of it out of the same like two or three formations, but you know, like the same under center formations, but then they were just getting into the same concepts with different distributions. It's so, like on any given play, the design of the play was very like very um, common, like everybody runs this. But what makes this whole Shanahan McVeigh flavor also what Shoddy did pretty well back in the day is that they they dress it all up to like um what am i saying they, they they are the plays themselves are simple but it's the formations and the combinations with who's the motion man who's running that route who's running this route and it just makes it you know like hell for the defenders trying to key it that said detroit did shoot themselves in the foot a lot but that's the beauty of the plays they give you options and that if you do it well enough you sequence it well enough they're going to they can't be perfect every time it's just it was just they was going their way this yeah, and, and you know, we, I talked about it yesterday on the uh, Newsy podcast with Ty, but Carol mentioned how the, the offense is wide open in his 710 ESPN Seattle uh, radio hit with Brock and Sulk on Monday. And he, you know, said that they're freewheeling out there in, in like the good sense and that it's the most open that the offense has been, like that he can remember. So, like, and, and I think that's like, because the, they've been building to this point since the San Francisco game where they decided to take the training wheels off Gino they're now able to be so like wide ranging in their layers the stuff you're talking about they're they're able to get to a lot of stuff because they're trusting gino that he can control all of this and have command of the offense with this variety of different looks to get to the same concepts and this variety of personnel in in the similar concepts but you know just finding the mismatch what's been fun as well has been how the tight ends have been part of that you know the, the multiplicity of the tight end group the three dudes uh, you know, a fan to Colby Parkinson's, you will Disley's. They have fitted in really nice stylistically. And I think they're still working all of that out. And again, yeah. there's meat on the bone there. Like, we still haven't seen much of the option route stuff with Noah Fant that you envisioned in the offseason. Uh, I, I, right. I wanted to talk about 
what did I want to talk about? That's so such a bad segue. Um, I, I, wow. This essay, um, I'm going to talk about. Yes. Um. G- Damn it, Gino's. Um, Gino, Gino, Gino. Gino. Gino has so me. So true. Gino, I agree. I, so is true. I agree. Well, Griff, we didn't get to hear there... from you. Is Gino an MVP candidate in in your opinion? <laughs> We're going straight to the MV Gino talk. Um, he should be on the he should be on the the bottom of the shortlist right now. Um, with how he's playing, I think he they got it. The Saints will be a great test, and we'll talk about that. But because uh, they're a little bit more of a formidable defense, so um, see it puts it the test. But like, so are the Broncos and Gino. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. was good that game. And while the offense sputtered in the second half, it wasn't because of him. Yeah. You know, so anyway. Um, One of my favorite plays from Gino, right? I've remembered where I was going. Maddie Excellent. remembered. There's a lot of pressure, right? It's live. I'm having to perform here. You're standing um, up. I'm, I'm standing for, for, cause for the whiteboard, which we'll get to. But uh, right. yeah, one like he cannot be killed. Gino cannot be killed. Like <laughs> the the defense is like the def- So there's this play where they have an they have an attached run to Gino's right, okay, and they have an RPO to the left, right? Yeah, but. The defense is like, oh, what would be good here is we don't tell him we're going to blitz off this side, but we blitz off this side and he hands the ball off and we get a free rusher at the quarterback, right? Yeah. G- it's a fine blitz because if you get RPO'd, Gino can't see that blitz because he's turning to the right and it's behind him. But Gino somehow, as he snaps the ball, registers to his left that the blitz is coming. He must have sensed it. And so... He he makes a throw that he's not meant to make to the little bubble of, of Noah Fant, I think it was. Now, it actually comes back for offensive pass interference, and I don't know how that was offensive pass interference. It was a very weird call. But just that kind of thing of, like, if you're a defensive coordinator there, you're like, what on earth? We had the right play call, and you've just beat it somehow. Yeah. You're not supposed to have – you're not an owl. How, how have you seen that Um, crazy stuff? And then the other one was a cover zero situation where – yeah. Well, there's a, there's a few good cover zero plays, but th- this is, again, a less uh, obvious one from me, a hipster one, where they've got trips out there and the Lions aren't covering down on DK Metcalf. So Gino knows that something's going on. And so he just throws it to Metcalf's out route. It doesn't get the first down, but it's just that immediately, like, I know the right play, I'm going to throw the right play. It's not robotic, it's... Uh, well, it's creative in a sense. Like it's um, it's just super intelligent. It's 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 that coach on the field thing we always talk about, where DK ain't covered from someone immediately. They're having to disguise this. Okay, this guy's got over there eventually, and they're playing at the sticks because it was a thing. It was a third and long, but DK almost got the first down. But more than that, if you play the play, if you play it how it's supposed to be done, if you find the what is on paper the right beater, eventually the good results will come. And more right. often than not, they'll come. Hence, you know, what we've been seeing. Right, right. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say that, and we did talk about this last week, the, the dude's a football brainiac, like whiteboard knowledge, knowledge, football theory. Like he's just, and then he's processing on the, like taking it to the field too. Like he's way up there. 
This what last year, even in the Saints and the Steelers, the Steelers games, he was processing well the whole time. Like his what he what his intentional process that you could pick out on film, that what you could isolate to what he was doing. He was even playing well in those games. So that was really hard for you know to like accept that because you look at the stat line. But like part of that was you know the scheme and the general game plan, trying to shorten the game. O-line was inoperable. You know, he's not a guy that's going to pirouette and hit lock it 70 yards downfield. Granted, yeah, like he's not going to make lemonade in situations that dire. But like you but you watch that and you're like, okay, give him a little bit more ammo, build an offense meant for him. And what 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 could happen here? And just, you know, we're seeing it. He checks so many boxes. I mean, and and this is not just some like you know little cute little stretch like this is everything he's ever shown like he's checked these even at his worst in new york you saw the signs of life in, in this department that we're talking about so um yeah he's i think he's legit right now and the rest is being in a good situation conducive toward quarterbacking and he is in that the seattle is providing that and they're providing that with two rookie tackles so the, the 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 counterpoint to this amazing last game is that the Lions' defense isn't very good, right? Now, talent-wise, they may have some deficiencies, but I didn't see personally much wrong from what the Lions tried to do. Uh, you know, it's quite easy to go, well, you shouldn't have called cover zero on third and 16 and you deserve to get run up, which, I mean, yeah, Gino got them into the right play, we should say that. But also, I, I didn't actually see much wrong with what the Lions were doing you know, in terms of like, they're trying to disguise. They were pretty good at disguising. Yeah. Gino was just better than them. Like, yeah. they tried to play bully ball and play press man against DK, cover down on everyone, play a bit more single high. This was the opportunity Seattle had been waiting for to unlock DK Metcalf one on one. And and the Lions tried to play cover zero with disguise and heat Gino up. And he had every single answer in the book. Yeah. So, so like people, I mean, naturally it's, and like you said, it's the natural counter argument. It's totally valid to be like, well, does this project forward? You can pick out bits and pieces of this game and like, yeah, it, it does project forward. The, their best player is on defense is Okuda. And you've got Okuda and press cover one against DK Metcalf and Gino hitting him twice. So like that that's as real as it gets. That's okay. Our combo's better than than your guy out there. You know, it's it's Gino DK was better than Okuda. And there are Okuda's not the best corner in the league, but he's you know, a upper tier guy. And if you get those looks d- d- down the line, which you were going to get them at some point, maybe not super frequently. Um, but if you get them, like we know they can hit that now. And he hit that to the boundary and to the field. And what was especially important, the one to the field, is that I think they were particularly comfortable playing press there because they didn't, they weren't too worried about the fade or go ball to to the field with Gino. And the other side of it, and this is where like the the game planning and tendency comes into it. They're in one back pistol. They're on the boundary. Defense is playing is playing cover three. They're thinking it was cover three, right? Not cover one. Yeah, I, it was, I, I mean, it essentially plays out the same because they were playing like three, you know, Ripplers kind right, of stuff. Right, right, right. But yeah, I, th- I do believe it's covered three. But yeah. so what are they doing right there? They're defending zone to the boundary and they're defending play action. They're trying to stay leveraged for those crossing routes. They're not trying to defend DK Metcalf down the sideline. They're saying if that happens, we got Okuda on him. They, so, and they don't, yeah, they don't respect Gino's ability really to to throw that vertical. So now that you can throw that, and teams, they have to decide: all right, how are we going to manage this monster out to the field on a max split now? Now that they know the ball can actually get that far, do we cloud him? All right, cloud him. Now you you've got your you've got your you know mid zone into the boundary going. You've got your play action stuff. Or by virtue of the fact that you're in the quarterbacks in shotgun, but the running back, the total formations in pistol, and you get those soft cover two looks, then you can just run your cover two beaters out of pure dropback situation. Like the, the balance they have in one back pistol is absurd right now. Um, and, and and so much is predicated on the pistol runs are actually not that bad. They're actually pretty good. And if Gino's hitting explosives out of it and drop back, I mean, that's just 
because we know they're moving the ball in in the more intermediate five step stuff when they're in pistol when they when they do run pure dropback. So I don't and, know. It's just it, development. Again, with the theme of like having all the answers, you can see from this drawing when uh, the Seahawks got down into the red zone, you have uh, like a cover three, cover one look. Obviously, obvious. Like there's no disguise going on there. Oh, Russell Wilson threw an interception on third and long in field goal range. That's funny. Uh, and you have... Did he throw it in? Yeah, he threw an INT, I believe, the, the cool kids call it. Uh, and you have this the middle field safety cheating over to DK Metcalf even before Gino seen it. Again, it's another example of gunplay action rather than just running four verts ordinarily. It's, again, it's an example of the, the tight ends being involved, going pair slot, um, two tight ends to the right, uh, two receivers to the left. You fake, you, Gino executes play fake. It's a very quick one because it's from the gun. It's three safeties cheating way over to ZK from his drop. And then Gino fires a perfect football to Will Disley's inner seam route where he throws it so early, drift uh, at C Mike spin move. He tweets out a photo showing how early it was. He also gets six foot four versus six foot one. But the accuracy, the anticipation, the quick decision, he has the answer. Again, he has the answer. And that is something we'll keep harping on. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be harping. We'll be harp, harping. Harp away. Um, another thing we should talk about is the offensive line is just getting better with each week. Now, yeah, not the great, not the best you know, defensive line to go against. Um, but they do seem better independent of competition compared to the four, compared to how they played in the 49ers game. I would love to see them in their, you know, another, in their second matchup with the Niners, get another crack against that, um, that talent just to see how much better they do marginally to see how many, how much strides they've actually made. Um, that would be cool. Um, but so like, yeah, the, the, the tackles, rookie tackles, you're not supposed to expect too much. You just want to see rate of improvement. We're seeing that Austin Blythe looks like, you know, he looks like a good center. Um, and then Gabe Jackson, I think, had a bit of a bounce back game, but I don't know if that will sustain. But Damian Lewis, I think this is year three. And I think he is. I think he's coming together. He's played well every single game he's been in all three and a half of them. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It, this this might be the year for him right now. I mean, because he was blocking Grady Jarrett against the Falcons. That was real. That's as real as it gets. Real. He was blocking Grady when Gabe wasn't. You know, so real. Do you know what stood out to me actually? Uh, the way Gino was playing with the tackles. Like, okay, the lines again. I'm, I'm sick of cav- caveating, but for the sake of this, caveating, caveating. Ca- can you caveat? Caveat. I say caveat. I'm a soft A. Mm. Caveat. What about yeah? What I about, think it's... what about caveat? <laughs> that sounds it's... like something which you'd uh, use for hair removal. Um, okay. The Gino's comfort with with his offensive tackles, I think, is growing, even with the lines not having like you know a Bosa. Uh, which fine, you know, you, you play who you can play. Um, so one play where he it was beautiful. They had he opened to the to a, a their bow concept where uh, basically condensed split. The receiver runs a hitch. Then behind that, um, a receiver runs a dig. Um, and the Lions played cover four with the safety really hard down to that. So that's not there. And their quarter flat player did a good job to the hitch. So then he comes to the other side and to the arrow concept, which into cover two, that's nice because you've got DK on like the little sit spot route. You've got the slot receiver running the corner route and you've got the, they even released the running back into the flat. So you should have a little window here, right? Oh, wow. Mm. Russell got it more hurt on the. Yeah, that did not look good. They pulled him out of the game. Yeah, well, he's in the blue tent. I don't know what. Oh, he what... shouldn't be in the game based on how they're doing concussions. Anyway, this this hopefully is okay. The bow and the arrow thing. He goes to the cover two side, and he's he's feeling a bit 
you know, Charles Cross at the left tackle, he's got an inside move. He's defended it, but the inside move, the, the why the defenses do them in the pass rush game is, and the Lions are a fan of them, is to like, you know, just let the quarterback know that it's shrinking to the inside a bit, change the picture up. Gino just works with that. He's just nice in the pocket. And then he hooks up with DK, who improvises his route over the middle, is that sensing that the linebacker's about to expand with the back into the flat. And it's just brilliant, brilliant stuff. I think that was from an explosive play. I think it was 17 yarder. Maybe, maybe not quite, but really, really good stuff. And then the other play is a I think it was the very next play. Abraham Lucas gives up an inside spin move. He's flat out beat. Gino, obviously, because it's coming from his right side, he's aware that, like, okay, I'm I'm getting uh I'm getting something which I can see. It's not your blind side. Mm-hmm. And he then manages to just step back in the pocket and find Tyler Lockett underneath the cover four side of the defense. And and they complete the pass. And again, it's like, what are we supposed to do here if you're the defense? Like we we've we've got pressure, we're having answers. Gino should be making mistakes. He isn't. Like this quarterback is red hot right now. I'd yeah. I'd be interested, Griff, in hearing um your your under center pistol shotgun splits and pass rate and your overall pass rate, because I know you're a bit of a, you're a bit of a data fiend, aren't you? But um, before that, the, the little dig to DK Metcalf off play action again, Seattle has a cover two beater to one side, cover four beater to the other. The Lions actually did a fire zone on that one, but um. Gino in the pocket this time is not really the tackles. It's more like the interior, but he stands in there and he fires it to DK. Okay, DK's wide open, but it's a good play call, right, uh, on the dig. Right. But also Gino's just like really just working in the pocket, stepping up. It's just great work. Yeah, yeah. He um, like like it's it's the whole idea of of creating in structure or like giving the structure more life. Um. And I think that's what separates a lot of these quarterbacks that can be functional with a good support system around them. But then when they have their bad moments or they have their their bad games, it's when the, the structure asks them to just kind of, it really just relies more on them. Like, okay, now you, like the other guys are imperfect on this play. Now you kind of need to be perfect. And he's just doing that at a very high rate right now. Like he, he's adapting his timing and rhythm when he needs to, when he has to completely abandon like his, his cadence in the pocket, like, you know, with the, you know, drop back, you know, hitch up and stuff. When he has to speed up, he speeds up when he has to slow down, he slows down. That's why he's, that's part of why he's completing like 75% of his passes or whatever it is right now. So, um, and by the way, he's, he's not just, he's completing. Okay. We got numbers per PFF. In the zero to nine yard range bracket, he's completing uh, 89 percent of his passes, eighty eight point nine, absurd. Wow! And but so you might think, well, that's driving. Granted, fifty percent of his pass attempts are in that range, uh, which is like lower median. But and the, but then um, and that number is is falling. So that means he's going at the intermediate deeper more and more each week. But then in the intermediate. Um, his completion percentage is here. I tweeted it. Let me, let me find it instead of just trying to remember. It's high. The tweet. It, it's high is the point. Um, and we like it when numbers are high. Um, so he's 12th in target rate to the intermediate. It's the 10 to 19 yards. So that means he's targeting at the 12th highest rate compared to other quarterbacks. And he's 7th in completion percentage. So that's dang good. And then he's also 20 plus yards. I think he's like fifth right now. And then, and then, but you might say, well, the shot percentage, he's, you know, he's being really picky. Yeah, he has been. Um, for the whole season, he's like 25th or 24th in shot percentage. But then the last two weeks, that shot percentage is now top 10, hovering around 16.5%, which just so happens to be, to give, uh, to give you context, literally the same exact percentage down to the decimal point as Russell Wilson's shot percentage. And he's completing like the fifth most in the league right now. So that's why this game we saw them, we saw them dialing up the, those those fade balls to DK, but then also like that corner post off that that um, cover zero blitz look where he got it off to lock it in time before the blitz got him. But then like they they also had that under center 
um, like half boot to DK that just barely missed. And like, those are low percentage shots, right? Like you're not, but you can see how like that they can work with stuff like that. Cause how close were they to completing it? Right? Like they were inches away. And then the other one, the lock it, where he missed it earlier in the game on the second and two, and they scored anyway on that drive. Um, you can kind of see like where that was a ball where if there was no pressure on that play, he just waits just a half second before throwing the exact same ball. And it's probably caught in stride perfectly. Yeah. Otherwise that ball probably needed with the timing of it and needed to have higher arcing so that it locket could still run under it. The mm. timing. I don't know if he has the combination of the arm strength and the accuracy to throw the perfect ball needed in that situation that kind of further defines like his arm talent ceiling, but there's still, this game showed plenty that you can still get really deep with Gino in his way, but then you can also where you, where you dial it up, right? You scheme it up, but then also you can just get deep in your normal dropback stuff. If the read takes them there, you know? Um, so yeah. it's been two weeks of that. So that that's, those are really good signs. Yeah. And that's a good, <clears throat> That's a good point to transition to the bad signs, Griff, and the defense, which, yeah, they gave up 48 points. However, 45 both... points. 45 ah, that's fine. Points. That's fine. That's, 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 a... what, what, what are we complaining about? Yeah, it what could have been compl- 46, guys, but it was it could 45. Be so much worse. Um, yeah. No, it couldn't have been that much worse. Although, both of us, after watching the tape, as sometimes happens, we were a bit copy. We we got a bit cope in the timeline. Um, oops, um, it wasn't so that bad, it, but it, it was. But it wasn't that bad. So like, we can it feels re- correctable. Really quick, we can frame this really quick, and then Maddie jump back into what you're saying. So Kevin Cole on PFF every week. I think it's him. I, if it's not, I'm apologize to the person that I'm miscrediting. Um, not that they need me to credit credit them but anyway um he, he posts every week like the quote-unquote true scores of like trying to eliminate like if there weren't high variance plays what would mm. the real true scores be oh that and, sounds fantastic and exactly and f- what's needed exactly for the lions they would have scored if this was normal a normal game they would have scored 27 still bad but not 45 like not 45 and we you can just think like there were a bunch of fluke plays this game on top of other bad play. But anyway, Maddie, so it wasn't that bad. You're right, because the Lions should have had a the Seahawks should have had a regular bad game, not one of the worst games you've ever seen. Hmm. Um, so my my less advanced data, I, and I think this is a pretty good way of kind of highlighting some issues that, that, that are present in the defense right now. So if we look at explosive passes and then the really bad uh, long touchdown um, run and the reasons like if you're going to apportion blame afterwards and who to blame is kind of illuminating so 32 yard run where George, sorry 32 yard touchdown well no it wasn't let's get this right <laughs> 32 yard catch um it was a touchdown from Jordan, which Jordan Brooks allowed with a fire zone bust we weren't sure in the post game press conference where exactly the blame lied we weren't 100 certain but having watched it back in the nickel bear front that seattle was running and we have um you know we, we were we were campaigning for that you're are you laughing because the broncos went three and out <laughs> i saw a tweet related to the broncos going ah, three and out right. but i am listening yeah no no i know you are um it's very funny what's going on um and russell wilson is apparently okay so that's good um that is good 32 we still yards. Need the Broncos to lose because we have their draft pick. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the Bears, the Bear front, right, they were basically playing the cover three fire zone rules and then the the edge rusher who dropped off when they're playing cover three, he was more like a bonus hook 
So it was it was on Brooks, and I don't know what he was thinking. Like basically, well, I do know what he's thinking. He like jammed a tight end up so much so I think a flag got called, and he looked at Goff, and Goff like kind of gave him a look into the flat, and he just thought he'd played it, and it was getting checked down, and he just played home, which wasn't his job. So that's it's that's something which doesn't can, make any. It's so weird, man. That that falls under the bracket of do your job, don't try to do yeah. too much. Now, yeah. twenty one yard run. Kobe Bryant blitzed. He blitzed at the wrong angle for the run and drop type. He blitzed more like it was wide zone away, and he's aiming for the back hip of the quarterback on boot. It wasn't that. It was like a, it was like an inside power path. So he could have got tighter, removed the cutback, because everyone up front who's slanting over for his blitz, they're playing gap inside run blocks, not boot away. So you can't aim for the back hip on that point. 21 yards, um, the fumble play... Kobe Bryant got beat, but that was because they jet motioned into it and they ran a dagger kind of beater. But he's not familiar with the fact you can jet, and I wasn't either. It's cool, cool beater where you jet motion his dagger. Again, that's an exposure thing. Like he's a rookie. Um, he's he's new to this. I felt Jordan Brooks could have got a bit more depth, but I mean, really, it's you know Bryant's just a rookie. Uh, Twenty-eight yard catch. Mike Jackson didn't play deep to short. It was a weird one where Jared Goff rolled out just to hear live. I think you can chalk that up to it being a bit weird, but also Mike Jackson isn't the expected left cornerback, um, or at least from the start of the season, we thought, you know, well, not the start of the season, the preseason, we thought Sidney Jones was the dude to play out there. And in this kind of deal where uh, Mike Jackson's playing, I'm not sure how much longer that's going to last because uh, Sidney Jones is coming in and it sounds like he's, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, then 26 yards, um, good play from Detroit, good design, which happens where they got Woolen playing man on the slot receiver. Again, he's a rookie. He's unfamiliar in that situation. He hasn't played much man in the slot at all because he's playing outside. He plays the wheel route upfield because that's what he does when he's outside. He stays on top. He's not familiar with the fact that, you know, if I if if you see a slot wheel, they're probably looking to throw that back shoulder. It's very rare to throw that over the top, uh, especially against off coverage. Um, then 17 yards, they just beat the Seattle's bare quarters coverage, but Diggs was right there and he did um, hurt the receiver in that on that hit. So, you know, that's football. Um, 51 yard run on second and seven. Bad play call, which, I mean, we can get into a bit more, but bad play call. And then bad missed tackle yeah. from Josh Jones, but tough situation. 81-yard catch and run, great cover eight beater from the Lions. Then a bad missed tackle from Josh Jones. Terrible missed tackle from Cody Barton, where he just looked knackered. Um, 17 yards on fourth and 10. Bryant got beaten fire zone by the dagger combination, which, again, inexperienced of roots. Also, he's kind of always playing on the athletic edge. So that's another discussion. And then 16 yards, Ryan Neal beat on a corner route in, in one rat. And then finally, 24 yards, a third and nine bust where Ryan Neal or Brian, they, one of them was meant to cover the route and they didn't. And I think a lot of it was um, just th they're trotting out dime for the first time. And I think in the case of Ryan Neal, this was first game rust for him. I think Sidney Jones had a like first game rust as well, which shouldn't be present again. And I think Carol mentioned afterwards, like, or it might have been the game before, which shows how bad the defense has been. But if a vet is telling you something, listen to them. Like, there's a reason they're pointing something out. And on this play, like Diggs is going, yeah, they've motioned to trips bunch. Like, you know, do what you're meant to do here. And no one picked up the dude. So it was one of their fault. Um, so that catalogue of errors we have inexperience we have one bad play call we have one good design but it's mainly rookie inexperience and lack of exposure which really that's encouraging because eliminate that learn from that get more vets back in and you're good yeah yeah so like it's there i feel like it's just unrealistic that they remain this bad for too much longer i don't know like you said clean up clean up excess penalties clean up excess missed tackles and then let let the rookies continue to grow and then let the defensive scheme let it continue to hone itself and and they get the calls and the personnels and the packages out there 
for the right situations that we've talked about, you know, like optimizing yourself, get those things taken care of. Then you're giving yourself a fighting chance to like really develop the proper chemistry, the proper rapport, the proper, um, the reps. Um, and then that's where, that's where, you know, you kind of run into like, you, you kind of get your force multipliers a little bit like, but you have to get your feet under yourself first. And a lot of it is like, I know this is a trite statement, but you know, self-inflicted wounds, they, they really are self-inflicted. Now the difference between making self-inflicted wounds and not making them right now might be the difference between them scoring 45 and the, that 27 points. Right. And you're giving up 27 points. You still have problems, but then how do you get down from 27 points down to the teens, which would actually be an elite defense. I don't know if that's going to happen this year or at least anytime soon this year. Um, but from there it's like, okay, how, how much better can the rookies get? Right. Um, how much, how much more effective can the, the, uh, you know, the, the, um, supplementary calls be, um, cause you know, they were dialing up those fire zones, but I feel like schematically, I think that they just kind of retreat to the parts of the Venn diagram that they overlapped with, with Desai and Carl Scott last year, you know, play more base bear, play more nickel bear, just rep the crap out of it. And what you're losing on those early downs and those mixed tendency downs where it could be run or pass, what you're losing in pass rush I think you offset by just re by committing to being a little bit more of a pressure team, run the call those fire zones and then play your rules better. And then if you get beat one-on-one fine, you're, you're a Ripley's, you're a Ripley's team anyway, right now. And you play Ripley's principles in three deep, three under fire zones. So you, you might as well just lean into the techniques and then, you know, those fire zones are a double whammy. You're getting pass rush and you're getting, you're, you're helping your run problems. And it leans right into how you're playing cover three right now anyway, when you're rushing four, when you're playing cover three. So, and then if you get really good there, then you can dial back up the four down stuff. Then you can dial up, you know, some of the spicier things you do. You can start calling those again on second and five, second and six, you know, but right now, second and five, second and six should be, you know, be gap sound, not gap. Well, you can be out gaps and still be gap sound relatively but be more fundamentally based schematically and focus fundamentals player wise. And then you can build yourself right. back up. Cause like credit to the lions because they, they remained somewhat committed to the run. Uh, even though they were down by, well, it was almost three scores, wasn't it? But they were down in, and they didn't, they didn't panic. They, they still mixed in the run nicely, which is important because if you become one dimensional, then you get these fronts which are, you know, pass focused. You get these calls which are pass focused because a defense doesn't have to worry about the run. And like a prime example of this is that second and seven where like Seattle is in a, a two-three technique front. They're in middle field open running straight. I think it was just straight quarters and cover four. Yeah. And they don't game the front. They don't slant. They're just like thinking pass. And the Lions come out and under center. Okay, it's spread presentation initially, but they shift into 11 personnel uh, with the tight end attached. And they just run gap uh, power. And they get a 52-yard touchdown run from Jamal Williams. And it's like, what are we doing here? It's the yeah. same thing as against the Falcons, where it's like, why are you running nickel over against um, 21 personnel? Like, Let's play some more bear. Let's let's have some. Yeah, you're more you're, tight you're front throwing your player like it needs to be understood. They're throwing their players in some of these situations that look really bad on the broadcast. The players are absolutely being thrown to the wolves by like on three or four different counts of things working against them on the play. So yeah, you you would you would need like like Vic Fangio wouldn't be doing this with Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis. And, yeah. and and Justin Smith and Ray McDonald and whoever their nose tackle was. Like, he wouldn't be doing this with them. And, like, and so a positive spin is that we did see more. We saw nickel bare fronts, which is what we were calling for. Right. We saw that for the first time, and they largely worked. And again, the run defense looked really good other than the, you know, the, the points it disaster didn't. calls yeah <laughs> but that was mainly a play calling thing rather than a an execution thing so encouraging in that area and i thought the front uh the d line played really well the 
both linebackers were really struggling. Like, um, they need a reset in the sense to like, okay, it's been bad, but like, you just need, especially Cody Barton, like, stop overplaying stuff. Yeah. Well, even Brooks, like, like the fire zone play, like, just play your thing. Like, stop trying to make like miracles happen. Yeah, just play, do your job. Brooks had some nice run fits. Um, Bar- Barton, Barton, Barton has had lost. some all right coverage, but um. Yeah, he is lost, unfortunately. He's so, so, so right. I mean, you know, I, I've been pretty consistent saying this. I thought Barton had two really good games and then two really bad games in the, their four games so far. He's a player who he is effective when he can key immediately, use his smarts to key immediately, and then play fast, get going, and don't stop moving. Like that's how he, that's how he can be an impactful player. This scheme right now asks him to play slow and read slow and then when it's time to make something happen be a difference maker and that's not how the ways that he's a difference maker um so it's like but it, it makes it's no surprise that every time they go into bear and the gaps move he is flying it's because that's what he does well um it, it, like when they're you know one back one back outside zone you're in bear he's like all right i'm just gonna go get leverage in my gap and i'm gonna go fly and he does it like he like okay that's what he needs and then if he can key the key the pass he's getting into his pass drop pretty quick um and so like that's where it, it's really not suiting him and he he was so much more of a pure scheme fit last year and the year before and you didn't get to play a lot in it. Um, but we're yeah, going to, I think it's that still struck going me, to work Gris, about out. other, other players. Like they're because there's like not a, as much consistency. And I actually thought the variety in the calls was greater this game. And, and yeah, there was no, more schematic was. options. And that was actually a good thing, but right. they are still acclimatizing a bit like to the different, like, well, on this play, I do this, but then on this play, I do that. Like, they're sort of still coming to terms with that. And notably in Barton's case, as you, as you said. Uh, I think there are some other positives, though, like individual players, like really quick. Well, Clint Hurts, yeah, well, Clint Hurts said they played two and a half quarters, which are good. And mm, I, I do mostly agree with that statement. You, you, like during the game, there was a period where people were tweeting, like, oh, wow, okay, the defense doesn't look like a disaster. And then yeah. it started to look like a disaster. And I tweeted, "This game reminds me of how they played in this." It was like the the you know the first quarter, then like halfway through the second quarter, I was like, "Oh, how they're playing right now is how they played in the second half against the Niners, where they're actually playing good defense." So they still kind of have like a backbone here that is functioning. Um, it's just they need all the rest of the body parts in this metaphor to uh, pick up slack. But on a case on an individual basis. We were actually seeing really good pass rush from Shelby Harris, Quentin Jefferson, and even Puna Ford. Jared Goff made some good plays. Um, but like those guys were actually getting some movement inside. They were getting the corner on guards. Um, and Maddie, you mentioned this. Josh Jones, after having some abysmal games, he looked way more comfortable this game, covering, you know, a pretty good tight end and TJ Hawkinson. Um, that's pretty big. If just if, needs to if, tackle. He's, he just he's needs three, to he had three bad missed tackles. What, yeah. Two of them were in tough situations. One of them was just bad. And lucky Woolen cleaned up for him. But yeah. You know what's um, weird is in preseason when everyone else, when all the second and third stringers weren't tackling anybody, he was the only one making tackles. Yeah. So it might have just been a, a funky game. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Woolen's I'm, fun. I'm, like Woolen's technique was up and down this game, but he's fun and his pick was cool, even though. It was a late throw from Goff. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm eager. I'm also eager to see Sidney Jones if he's getting reps with the ones in practice and him I being think, the I full think he's starter. Start. I think he's a starter now. If if but he think... if he can get back to where he was last year, I mean that's that would make a that would put a dent in this whole thing. Hmm. And it's not like Mike Jackson's been utterly abysmal, but Sidney what... Jones was a good cornerback last year. One thing I'd say is like. I think they because they were scared about being run on, but like they were just staying in the same like middle field close coverages when the Lions started throwing it around the yard, especially like when they started scoring. And I 
I didn't really understand that. Like I thought a bit more coverage variety. And I guess they'd say like, actually we did bone, we did bonus fire zone. We did cover nine. We did one robber. We did one rat. Is that not enough for you? But I, it just felt like there was consecutive plays of the same coverage or the same play. And it's like, well, that's a bit easy, but I I, I don't know. That's it's a lot for, you know, they just lost their one-on-one matchups though. That's basically what happened in the passing game down the stretch. Like Neil got roasted, um, and yeah. yeah. But when Pete Harrell says Neil will play more, having watched Jones this game, apart from the missed tackles, I think that is just insinuating that you know Nickel Bear is going to come again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, agreed. And maybe Neil comes in rather than rather than Kobe Bryant, you know, uh, and then yeah. maybe. Dime allows them, I guess, to run loads of coverages and also use Neil maybe in the kind of Adams role, even though he's obviously not the same blitzer, but like they probably it's like another blitzing option along yeah. with um along with Brooks, but, Brooks, yeah, but who's and who can cover person. a bit more, but then it's just a different look and a bit more variety, I guess. But anyway. The the middle middle of the season last year, they had a lot of success on third down, so those cover one pressure blitz calls, and Neil was a huge part of that, along with Adams. Of yep. course, when Adams got hurt last year, that package disappeared because you need depth to run it. Um, So I don't know. That, that's, something, that's something they can work with. Um, I did think that Brooks and pure one-on-one situations in coverage he looked pretty good like when he was clear on what he was needing to do he was carrying tj hawkinson down the seam like three or four times and looking really smooth doing it i mean hawk only got his production against the safeties in unbusted coverages so in actual one-on-one stuff i i thought brooks was handling quite a bit it was just like you said doing trying to do too much when he doesn't need to do too much um so, so Griff, the New Orleans Saints, they're kind of banged up. The defense really should be able to do better against them, right? Yeah. the Andy Dalton, I mean, you could say the same thing about Jared Goff. Andy Dalton's even worse than Goff right now and has been for a while. It's another opportunity for them to tap into more of what we saw in the first half this game and build from there and, like, like hey, just – Make your tackles that can be made and don't shoot yourself in the foot here and there. And like, how, how good can you be? Right. Like if, if they're just going to get beat one-on-one in certain situations, so be it. But let's see what getting beat in one-on-one situations looks like when they're not busting this, missing that tackle. Right. Um, Now the, I don't think they're passing a lot right now. I think they're running a lot, the saints. Um, So we could see some crafty, you know, play action off of a bunch of, you know, you know, a lot of running, right? Like a lot of cheesy stuff. So we'll have to be ready for that. Um, but it's a yet yet another opportunity for them to improve and not only improve, but potentially have a complete game on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think here I'll be bold. I think they don't give up more than twenty three points. Yeah, I I see I see your thinking there. I, I I agree. I think you like the number twenty three though, but that's the magic number. What we outlined is the magic number for like the offense should be able to score more points than that, right? Yeah. And then defensively, we uh, is interesting. Metcalf. I said this yesterday, but Metcalf spoke about how the Saints' defense is similar in his view to the Lions' scheme wise. Uh, Lattimore obviously is a different proposition to Metcalf. Like, can you imagine if we get Gino and DK beating Lattimore kind of one-on-one on the outside in middle field close. That would be cool. Right. That'd be, um, that'd be sick. Um, so the Saints defense, I think that overall they're a good defense, but I think their pass defenses, they've had some weird moment, moments that's driving down their passing efficiency. Like their defensive success rate, I think is top 10, or it's like right at 10, like 10th. But then their total EPA is poor, so that suggests they're giving up a lot of explosives. I haven't actually looked at the numbers. Maybe that just means the successful plays they are giving up are just particularly successful, not necessarily like super explosive. But mm. so I don't know what, what will what will be there. Um, but if they have, it, it's kind of a strength versus strength. Geno's success rate is ludicrously high going up against a defense that also has a good defensive success rate. 
And then also Gino's relative weakness is getting the ball deep, but we've talked about ad nauseum this episode, how that's improving. And then the saints might be having issues giving things up deep. So we'll see what's going on there. They do vary their coverage. They do play too high. They do play quarters, a lot of quarters. Um, I think cover two also, or do they get rid of that? I don't remember. Um, but anyway, so opportunities abound. Um, what's really exciting is that if the defense just gets its shit together, it doesn't even have to be anything special. This the Seahawks chance <gasps> this season, what happened? Russell Russell was in a really big conversation oh with my Hackett. God, he just threw a pick. He was in a big conversation with Hackett before that play, and I feel like he suggested this play. And then he's thrown a pick. Yeah. Why is he going for the touchdown? That's they just way need the first down to win too. the game. Oh, this is this is unbelievable scenes. Oh, unbelievable middle. Oh, he had it as well. He had the. Oh no, he didn't have that at all. Great cornerback play. Look at this. Double post, bang. Amazing. Well, that's that's fantastic for the narrative, especially go on, Matt Ryan, go and win the game. See, that would never happen under Pete Carroll because they'd run the ball um, and they'd get first down. Why would um, you do that? Man, that's funny. That's, that's so funny. He that's suggested that to attack it. He did. Oh, Come on, Matty Ice. Strip. Oh, no, he just missed it. Oh, my God, God, I wish we could have gotten Chubb in the Wilson trade. Can you imagine? Oh, that would have... Um, Actually, no, I can't say what... I can't say that. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're... Sources. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine if they got Sertain? <laughs> oh, my God. Sertain's like my favorite player. Anyway, I think the yeah, podcast is wrapping up now. Anyway, imagine if for the this defense game. is like even like mildly below average with the offense they might continue to have. Like this yeah. defense, with the, this division, they might be the favorite. Prediction for the Saints game? Uh, 30-20 Seahawks. 30-20. I think 28-21. Uh, okay. That's a bit tight though. Oh, do you know what? Twenty-eight, ten. Let's go. Whatever happens, Defense. we'll cope through it anyway. Twenty-eight, ten. We'll cope. We'll be back uh, after the Saints game. If the Mariners are playing, the live stream element, we might have to change it up because, as much as you like football, the Seattle Mariners are in the postseason. You might be yeah. watching that, so we'll, we'll work around you. We, we appreciate Julio Ty those and of the guys tomorrow. In. Thank you, everyone, for watching live. Please like the video and also comment, because, again, the algorithm, and comment after the video has gone offline. Uh, in and the then section. also comment on how you pronounce caveat. Do you do a soft A on that third syllable? I think I or say caveat as well. Caveat. Caveat. Caveat or caveat. Well, wait, wait, wait. Shoot, because a long A is A. A short A is A. But then is what do you call A? Is that a soft A? Ooh, A. Ah. Or is it a soft, short A? Ah. We need the grammarians to step in and inform us. Anyway, the grammarians sound like a Star Wars, um, a Star Wars thing. Yeah. Who's a grammarian? The grammarians oh, sounds like. Um, anyway, uh, go Seahawks. Things of that nature. Go Mariners. Things of that nature. Go Gino. Things. Go of Matt, that Ryan. Nature. Uh, go Matt Ryan. Thanks everyone. Uh, and if you're listening, please subscribe five-star review even if you're watching just subscribe because it helps us thank you we appreciate you and we'll be back uh at some point on sunday and monday goodbye goodbye